Welcome to Commuter Highlights from First Church Belfast. Here we've distilled our normal Sunday service into a call to worship, a prayer, two readings, a sermon and an organ outro for you to listen to on your way to work, out on a walk or wherever. If you feel so inclined, you can support our work by going to firstchurchbelfast.org and clicking on the donate button. We really would appreciate it. Here is this week's Commuter Highlights from First Church, Belfast. Good morning and welcome on this cold and miserable Boxing Day morning as we join together uh, in our service of worship. We welcome you if you're joining with us online as well. There is no tea and coffee after the service uh, today. I think that that was all the the only announcement uh, that we had to make. We come together to remember the stories that says hope was born in the form of a baby named Jesus. What is so compelling about the story of Jesus' birth, his life, his love, was that his story has reached across the ages while others have faded into history. Jesus embodies the best of what humanity can be, compassionate, humble, brave, mortal. Jesus asks us to make the most of our life, to create joy where there is pain, to care for the poor and question the powerful, and perhaps most importantly, to question the purpose of our own lives. What will we leave in our wake? In whom will we be reborn? What light can we bring into the darkness? Let us contemplate the significance of that one person and revel in the joy of possibilities. We join together in prayer. Loving God, as we gather here today, give us both the desire and the will to rise above the dullness of mind and spirit. Help us to make ample room for the presence and growth of faith in our lives. And may our minds be open enough our spirits humble enough and our hearts warm enough to receive and entertain it with great, great joy. Most holy friend, our lives are so crowded and rushed that even our holy days and holidays can leave little room for searching thought and prayer. Have mercy on our sometimes overly demanding lives. If in our busyness we left scant room for the whole needs of our family and friends and fellow church members, forgive us. If in our short-sighted worrying about hospitality and gifts, we became insensitive to wonder and awe in the presence of this Christmas festival, forgive us. If in our frenetic scurrying between self-indulgent feasts, We insulated ourselves against the cries of the hungry and oppressed, the poor and the dispossessed. Forgive us. Holy friend, save us not only from our obvious sins, but also from our misplaced energies. Save us from wasting the precious moments of life on that which is second best, and from gaining a world of tinsel, but losing our own souls. Help us to tap into that eternal source of light and life and holy joy, which nothing can ever take from us, yet from which we ourselves can slip down 
among the trivia that leads to darkness. Lift us up and bear us on your shoulders. Grant this as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught when he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Uh, Christmas is a time for repeating old favourites, so for the first reading I've chosen one of my favourite Yuletide poems, uh, written by Ursula Fanthorpe. Uh, instead of sending Christmas cards, she wrote poems to her friends each year, uh, and this was one such. Uh, it's entitled, What the Donkey Saw. Though for a local audience, and particularly for fans of Line of Duty, maybe it should be called, What the Wee Donkey Saw. No room in the inn, of course, and not that not much in the stable. What with the shepherds, Magi, Mary, Joseph, the heavenly host. Not to mention the baby, using our manger as a cot. You couldn't have squeezed another cherub in for love or money. Still, in spite of the overcrowding, I did my best to make them feel wanted. I could see that the baby and I would be going places together. Amen. Our second reading is the traditional reading for this uh, first Sunday in Christmas. And it comes from Luke chapter 2. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travellers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favour. 
Amen. It is the end of a year, and what a year it's been. Just before Christmas, I read the results of a poll on faith conducted by the marketing company Nielsen in Australia. Now, it wasn't the largest sample ever taken. There were only a thousand people uh, interviewed, but the results were quite interesting. In general terms, here are some of them. Belief in God, 68%. Belief in life after death, 53%. Belief in heaven, 56%. Belief in hell, 38%. Belief in the devil, 37 Belief in angels, 51 Belief in witches, 22 Belief in UFOs, 34. Belief in astrology, 41. Belief in psychic powers such as ESP, 49. Belief in miracles, 63. Belief the Bible is the word of God, 34. That the Bible is literally, literally true, 27. The teachings of my religion have only one interpretation, only 21% thought that. Evolution, 42%. Belief that there is or seems to be no God, 30%. David Marr, who is a newspaper columnist in Australia, commented on these results. He said, belief is shrinking and dis disbelief is growing, but slowly. Those skeptics who believe time will of its own accord wipe Christianity out of this country are fooling themselves. However skeptics, can take this, however skeptics can take this comfort, they now make up the biggest denomination, followed by Catholics and then Anglicans. One of the great mysteries of life is the mystery of time. Everything happens to us, happens to us through time. The time that we call a day can weigh down on us or it can raise us up. And yet this day, this time vanishes. This is an incredible fact. For when we look behind us, we do not see our past standing there in a series of day-like silhouettes. We cannot wander back through the gallery of our past because our days have disappeared. Our future time has not yet arrived. The only ground of time is in the present moment. The time or years of childhood through youth to adulthood seems implied by this morning's second reading. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favour. And that's all there is, not much content, not many clues by which to judge how he progressed from saying mama and dada to pronouncing messianic and anthropomorphic or how many learned responses lead from his first cry to his first beatitude. There are just plenty of gaps in the story, and we are left to wonder or to speculate. And some of that contemporary speculation includes the suggestion that between the ages of 12 and 30, Jesus traveled into Asia to study Buddhist meditation. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure but it's certainly uh, been speculated in the past. 
And yet that moment in time, that temple experience can serve as a model for growing up and growing in wisdom. Bruce Epperly, the process theologian who I like to quote, uh, puts it like this. On the verge of adulthood, Jesus retreats to the temple for theological reflection and questioning. His three days in the temple were a pivotal, pivotal point in his spiritual evolution. Jesus grew in spiritual stature by claiming his faith tradition faithfully and then extending its experiential and theological boundaries to new horizons. So let's play with that comment a little bit in our imaginations for a moment. The child Jesus grew into a mature adult filled with wisdom and God regards, regarded him favorably. And so I want to focus on just a couple of those words, grew and wisdom. First, the word grew. Luke tells us very little other than implying that Jesus managed the, to complete the complex and the intricate, mostly mysterious process of growing up. From being a helpless baby that we celebrated just 24 hours ago, he progressed to adulthood where he was capable of holding down a job and making and keeping friends and theorizing about the origins of things and separating fantasy from fact from, and getting angry without having to hurt others and caring for others without needing to possess them. In both nature and nurture, in him, sorry, both nature and nurture did their necessary work. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. And then the word wisdom. Jesus was soon to discover that a fool and his money are soon parted, that the love of money is the root of many evils, that you cannot tell a book by its cover. He learned that power corrupts, that an army marches on its stomach, and if you, could teach, if you would teach a hungry man, first you had better feed him. He learned that sin and sickness are not necessarily two sides of the same coin. That the devil can quote scripture. And a smile sometimes is a mask for hatred. And through all this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in years. And in divine and human favour. As I said, Luke is very sketchy on the detail. Indeed, we have only the barest of fragments or outline. And we must fill in that outline with what we ourselves know about childhood. Because the only childhood truly accessible to us is our own. To live life to the full, to love wastefully, to be all that we can, paraphrasing the late Bishop Jack Spawn, can be a challenging and risky business. And yet I'm reminded of what I consider to be wise words from the British theologian John Tinsley when he wrote about 30 years ago. He said a lot of our endeavor as a church has gone into taking has gone into taking the risk out of faith. We try to create a hideout for faith where we can be unperturbed. Our churches and our congregations can become hideouts for some of us. 
for we can forget that we always live on the edge of something new, and that's the risk. To live on the edge of something new, how we meet that risk or that new thing is an important moment in time. Let me return to Bruce Epperly, whose words I, am, I, I reckon continue to be helpful. Growing in wisdom and stature calls us to take our faith seriously enough to, to study scripture, wrestle with traditional theological doctrines, explore new images of God, Christ, and salvation, and spend time in prayer, meditation, and service. A growing faith is not accidental, but requires going out to our own spiritual temple regularly to listen, to ask and to share. Even Jesus was unfinished and incomplete. So with all the will I can muster, I encourage you to greet the new horizons in this incoming year and in our own particular situations, both as a congregation as, and as individuals, with an infatuation with the impossible with which our congregational and personal life is just unthinkable. Without our, that, our, our congregational and personal lives are just unthinkable. And then maybe it can be said of all of us, these people, these congregations grew into a mature adulthood filled with wisdom and God regarded them favorably. Amen. Go on your way with renewed spirits, rejoicing in the holy friend who meets us in this house of prayer and will be with you through every hour of this week. Enter the new year with expectation. There is nothing that God is not prepared for and nothing that can outwit the ingenuity of divine grace. And so grace, mercy and peace be with you now and always. Amen.